0: And gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Stop, start, stop, start. We're here, we're not here. What's happening to Central? Well, I'll tell you what's happening to Central. We are back here on the best show on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Network, the consistently good show on the ESSR network, the consistent host, none of that changing four hosts on a Saturday, none of this revolving door of feature shows, no, no. The main host, the only host, Ross McLeod, back hosting ESSR Central for the first time in three weeks. And this is going to be a bit of a different Central. There's been a lot happening in the past month in the world of wrestling. So we have one of the revolving door Hosts of that other show that's on a Saturday, Scott McLeod. How are you?
1: You want to be revolving doors? You've got a revolving door
0: of co-hosts on this show. You're, yeah, co-hosts. Co-host. Like, bit part men, warm-up acts. I'm still the main one here, you know. So, sh- I'm just introducing you. Shut up. Anyway, we are going to go through some of the biggest uh, stories in wrestling over the past few weeks. We're going to discuss the injury of CM Punk, the brutal excommunication of Edge from the Judgment Day, Cody Rhodes and what his injury means for his WWE run, the return of John Cena, Impact turning 20, and Roman Reigns and a wee update on why WWE chose to unify both those WWE titles. But Before we get to all that, we have a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. That's on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And, of course, if you want to follow the team, it's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Scott, there's a lot of injury news on this, fake and otherwise, (laughs) a lot of return news. So let's start with the first injury, and that's of CM Punk. So CM Punk was injured at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view in his match with Adam Page. So I'm just going to quickly go through the Double or Nothing results here before we get started. Um, a bit of a weird show, Scott. Uh, more of a New Japan feel to this show. There was a lot of matches, a lot of star power, not a lot of story. But um, we'll, we'll get to this first. Uh, Hookhausen, Hoot and Danhausen defeating Tony Nice and Smart Mark Sterling in the pre-show Uh, Wardlow defeating MJF The Hardys defeating the Young Bucks Jade Cargill defending her TBS title against Anna Jay The House of Black winning a six-person tag match against the Death Triangle thanks to the interference of Julia Hart uh, Adam Cole defeating Samoa Joe and Britt Baker defeating Ruby Soho in the finals of the Men's and Women's Own Hearts Foundation Tournament Finals American Top Team Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky and Paige Van Zandt ...defeating Frankie Kazarian... ...Sammy Guevara and Tay Conte... ...Kyla Riley defeating Darby Allen, ...Thunder Rosa defending our women's title... ...against Serena Deeb... Uh, ...The Jericho Appreciation Society defeating the Blackpool... ...Combat Club... ...Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz... ...in an Anarchy in the Arena match... ...I'm pretty sure Wild Thing is still playing... <laughs> uh, ...Jurassic <laughs> Express defeated... ...Keith Lane, uh, Swerve Strickland... ...and Team Taz... ...to defend their AEW Tag Team titles... And the main match itself, CM Punk defeating Hangman Adam Page, to win the AEW Championship, to become just the fifth man in history to hold the AEW Championship. Scott, I'm going to before we go into CM Punk itself, thirteen matches on that card. I think we can agree that was far too much, uh, especially when twelve were on the main show. Mm. But, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you the floor. You can either rant or you can gush about one match, one match that really annoyed you, or one match that really impressed you. You can. The floor is yours. On you go. I
1: mean, I had to say. I mean, I think AEW is gonna have a thing with their pay per views. The same thing that NXT had for a long time after takeover in New Orleans. Like after All Out. Last year, where everyone was raving about one of the best shows of the year, plenty of all time, like best non WE shows, and it was a stellar show. they were going to have some time, a tough time, you know, topping that. And I think they've been trying too hard the last few previews to try and do that. And this is an example of that. I could name you five matches. Like, I could go, that didn't need to be there. That didn't need to be there. There are matches in this show that if the card was like shorter in terms of number of matches, then I, you could have enjoyed them a lot more. Their matches, they didn't feel nearly as big as they didn't, as they should have. The two Owen matches uh, are, are probably examples. I didn't feel like I cared as much as I should for those two. But if I can carry O'Reilly, uh, Derby match, that would have been a decent main event of Rampage. It didn't really have any storyline reason to be on the pay per view but to properly gush about something, I think is uh, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rose are really over-delivered uh, for the TV time that they got in the lead up to this match. You know, it was a proper technical, you know, showcase for these two women, and shows why like they're both highlighted as such as two of the best like women wrestlers going today. It was it was a shame I think for the car because I like, think the last four matches, this uh, this like the tag title match, the Anarchy in the Arena anime event, oops, the last four matches were f- f- some of the best matches. I think the annoying thing was that by the time you got to this point. Then, like everybody was tired, especially if you're watching it live in the UK, like I was. But if you, if you retire at this point, go back and watch the the women's title match because it's a classic example of like giving very little to work on in terms of the build, like doing their best story-wise, But when it comes to the actual in ring stuff, they absolutely not take the part.
0: I think that's a fair description. Yeah, they were going, but they're not going up against a basketball game or an NFL game.
1: I like it was some basketball finals and they didn't want the finals to still be on while the main event started so they wanted that game be finished by the time they present the main event but like, and like you can buy it on fight and watch the replay anytime you want you know you're not watching it live on tv you have to tape it like, or like in the old days where you have to It's either on and you're watching it or you've missed it it's the same thing with no mercy a few years back when they said oh we'll put the triple threat on first because the debate's so on like you pay for the network, the whole
0: point of the network is you can watch this stuff anytime you want. Yeah, it's, it's an annoying one, especially considering it's not on TV, as you said. It's a pay-per-view. I could understand, oh, by the way, we moved this match to the main event because, or we moved Rampage in our back so that these two big matches wouldn't be overshadowed by sporting event A, but, because WWE have done that time, t- time and time again as well, but yeah, as you mentioned, no mercy, 2016, and this—it's a bit of a silly thing considering streaming sites are on demand. Like you can watch it whenever you want. There really was no need for that. But CM Punk did win the uh, a, i was going to say WWE—the AEW title, his first title win since Survivor Series 2011 against he who shall not be named, Um and. It's it's eleven years since CM Punk's won a title. Um, I think I think the fans don't want to see it ended by injury, but unfortunately, he has had a, a lower leg injury. He has and successfully undergone lower leg surgery, uh, but he's came out on the rampage following um, following a, a double or nothing. Couldn't get the bloody words out there. Uh, <laughs> and announced that he had an injury, and he wished to relinquish the title, but Tony Khan wouldn't let him. So, we've now got this. um, It was a bit overcomplicated just to get to Moxley Tanahashi, which we knew we were getting, but um, essentially Punk was meant to fight Tanahashi at AEW's Forbidden Door. Uh, Tanahashi then had to take on Goto, at the Dominion show, I'll let you jump in on that in a minute uh, Kyle O'Reilly won the Casino Battle Royal only to be beaten by the number one contender John Moxley so now the match of Moxley-Tanahashi we thought we were going to get we're just going to get it's <laughs> a bit of a long and winding road to get to the one match but Scott uh, Tanahashi defeated Goto at Dominion and uh, on the 6th I believe
1: uh, no, it was the twelfth of June. Uh, I think it was last weekend.
0: It uh, just gone. Twelfth of June. Um how is the match? Because you've you and Grant have recently just recorded an East Meets West that's coming out later this week. How is the match itself and any other news from Dominion relating to the Forbidden Door?
1: Uh yeah, some big things uh, to do with the Forbidden Door in that uh, yeah, Dan actually did beat Goto, they did like uh, they had some undercard stuff and then they had like six matches in a row that had either titles on the line or had title implications like this one. Uh, Tanahashi did get a win over 12 minutes these two went. Uh, Koto's a, a kind of an underrated singer's compare because he's recently been doing a lot of tag stuff in uh, the last couple of years, but I joke with Grant on that same East meets West show, so hopefully you'll find that joke as funny if you listen to that, and I'm going to tell you now. But I joke, given the, also the implications of like, Moxie's won it, he's been saying for the last two years he wants a one-on-one match with Tanahashi, so, like I said to Grant, you could have put God in there against Tanahashi. I still would have said Tanahashi's winning. <laughs> and he did. And long winding or as confusing as you said, it would be. I mean, it's kind of a mini-tournament here, and they're doing another mini-tournament for that bloody All-Atlantic belt. So, either you know, we cannot get away from fucking tournaments at the minute, but Tanahashi v. Moxley is going to be one hell of a match. I wouldn't be surprised if it closes the whole Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Uh, and stuff that relates to E.W. potentially. Will Osprey, who's been popping up on AWTV recently defeated sanada to win the vacant iwgp us championship Although well, unfortunately he didn't get to celebrate with the belt because the former champion just robinson didn't send it back uh, and the main event jay white defeated okada to become the iwgp world heavyweight champion this is after hangman page called out okada for a match for the title at forbidden door and jay white now won the belt so it's interesting, there's rumours that there'll be a match either being Jay White and Hangman, or maybe they'll put Okada in for some sort of uh, triple threat match, but Jay White clearly didn't have any interest in the match because in his post-match promo, he looked in the camera and said, Hangman, you, s- you want Okada? You can fucking have him, because you're getting nowhere near this IWGP championship.
0: I can see his point there, you know, Hangman wants the IWGP title because he's lost the AEW title and he can he can maybe see that as a slight... like No, you're not coming after my title just because you don't have the other title. Um, Tana Hashley Moxley will be for the interim uh, AEW Championship. We'll talk about the what we think, th- think of a, an interim champion uh, situation and if we're a fan of it or not. But what about the All-Atlantic title? How Because New, New Japan have its own bracket in this sort of tournament. How are New Japan going to decide who is a Fatal Four Way Dominion at, at um, Forbidden Door for the title?
1: Yeah, so they're doing like three matches on uh, on AEW TV. They've already done one. Pack's already secured a spot, and tonight at time recording, it's going to be Ethan Page versus Miro for the title. And I believe the next qualifying match for AEW is Malachi versus uh, Penta. But uh, on the twentieth and twenty-first of June. New Japan are doing some shows in Corrigan Hall, uh, both nights being may-evented by uh, junior heavyweight titles. But across the, on the on the June 20th show, they're going to do two singles matches with uh Aki taking on Clark Connors and Yoshinobu Kanamaru taking on Tomohiro Ishii. And the winners of those two matches will go on to a match on the 21st with the winner coming out on top uh, of the winner going on to face... Uh, the other three in the four-way at, Domin- at Forbidden Door. Getting Dominion and Forbidden Door mixed up. you That's your fault, that. But considering what I've heard with fans, when they heard this was being announced and who they wanted to see in the four-way, Ishii was a common name, and it does feel like it's oh, kind of being yeah. set up for Ishii to take that fourth spot, which I'm not complaining about because I want Miro to, to be Ethan Page because I think that getting to see Miro and Ishii mix it up would be... You know, the, east, the, the big e-dream of being, meeting men slapping meat.
0: <laughs> I'm not much of a New Japan fan, so Ishii's really the only person I know there, but Clark Connors just sounds like a superhero sidekick. <laughs> Clark Connors, get out of there. But yeah. Batman was too liked. But anyway...
1: <laughs> the LA Dojo guys, I think he's going to probably win his match because Honma, he's old and he's... he's he, he he broke his neck a few years ago. I don't think he's quite been the same, so he's probably gonna fit E. C and get battered for his triples. But his nickname's the Wild Rhino and he comes out dressed as a shit Steve Irwin. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> when I saw Tom uh, wrestling as a young lion, I joked to Grant. If you ever if you should look up Clark Connors, you'll know I'm telling the truth that Clark Corners said to Grant, Looks like Hangman Page's younger brother.
0: I'm just actually gonna Google him just now, actually. He, so, he dre- does he dress like a shit Steve Irwin now, or did he dress like it then? well.
1: He's been, well, he's been wearing kind of a similar like hat and like sleeveless jacket. Gone with that, I'd expect to see like Steve Irwin wear.
0: He does a bit. He looks. I mean, he, do, he looks a bit like Stephen Amell with short hair. Yeah, he's got the the long hair now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, I'm seeing that. Yeah, he looks. He looks like Crocodile Dundee for Christ's sake. That's not, <laughs> That's not a knife. This is a knife. That's not a switchblade. This is a switchblade. But anyway, moving on from um, AEW here, just uh, out from the New Japan section of AEW. you want to hear more about that, East Meets West is your place to go. Um, we've had the interim TNT Championship uh, before when Cody was out with COVID we had Sammy Guevara taking on Dustin Rhodes to determine a short-term champion. CM Punk's going to be out for, it seems like a while. What's your thoughts on long-term interim champions? Because for me, if it's it's going to be a short thing, like some, by the way, someone's out for six weeks, you know, they've done X, Y and Z. I don't mind a short-term champion. But giving someone a long run with the belt and defending the belt and defending it with their life and they're the interim champion and then the champion comes back and then just beats them, that to me it's about well, that why did I get invested in that when he's we'll look back on this and he's never been the champion technically and then on the other hand if the champion comes back and just loses it to the interim champion it's a case of well, why don't we just strip him of the title in the first place? Like, it's—I'm not a fan of the long-term interim champion, and I know Moxley has been out of the title picture since you know Kenny Omega's great run, and then Hangman. Hangman's title run was disappointment, disappointing, but he was the guy to take the title from Omega at the time. So he's been waiting in the wings for another shot at that title. And I just think it devalues it for him to be an interim champion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'll say this is not an ideal situation for them. And I'm, I'm not against them putting the belt on Punk in the first place because they couldn't have foreseen him getting injured. Because, you know, Tony can said before, I've, I've already mapped out my first four champions. So when it came to the fifth champion, they could kind of explore different ideas. And even how popular Punk still is with the, the AEW fans, I can see why, and in a place when you watch the crowd reaction for him winning the title, you see why they chose to put the belt on him in the first place, but yeah, I don't. I like the idea of like a new champion being crowned, and then the old champion gets back. The whole who's the the real champion and the spirit champion. But I don't like them adding the word interim. especially as you said, if it's going to be for like a long term thing, It'd be like Cody with COVID, he only had like like a couple of weeks. He was able to come back fairly quickly for them to you know, wrap up the story. to the two title light ladder match that they did, but with Mo- with Moxley potentially winning it and it's going to be weird how they, how they look it back in the title lineage of it if he's just an interim champion to them. because like Moxley like being the EW champion for like a second time when they've only ever had a handful of champions and being the first man to hold the world title twice should be a big deal but it's not going to feel like that if he's just an interim champion and especially like if Punk's going to be out long term he's probably going to miss at least all out he might be back for full gear but he is probably going to miss all out and how that gonna look in the main event all that Justin Roberts doing it it's not going to say he's epic. It's, to, it's not going to sound as epic if he's gone on the microphone like, this is for the interim AEW Championship. Like, it's not the same as if you're saying just the AEW World Championship. Like like you're fighting for, you're fighting for the, the right to be the placeholder until Punk comes back.
0: Even if they called it, instead of calling it the World Championship, just call it the AEW Championship. Like, okay, hey, this is a belt and it's only going to be in circulation whenever we have someone out injured, you know what I mean? And I I, I I, wouldn't mind that, but yeah, the interim championship thing, not a fan of long-term, didn't mind it short-term with Cody uh, and Sammy Guevara. Speaking of Cody Rhodes, we move on to our second story and second injury, unfortunately, Cody Rhodes. Um, so a lot of different stories came out about this. We've since had the full story. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins on the go-home show of Hell in a Cell um, ended up in a scuffle. Uh, it was there where Cody Rhodes injured uh, was it his, his tricep. He injured his tricep. He then, while working out on the Thursday, tore the tricep right off the bone. Like it was an absolutely horrendous sight, and doctors let him wrestle because. And and I quote Michael uh, and I quote Jimmy Smith. He was told he could wrestle as he could literally do no more damage to it. <laughs> it's a hell of a it's a hell of a way to look after your performers. Ah oh, well, you're fucked anyway.
1: You got to think Cody had a, a part to play that he probably was the one insisting on you no know, wrestling because obviously he wanted to finish this thing with with Seth because also it would feel weird to, like to have a hell in a cell match. That actually, feels like it's gonna. It deserves a billing of Hell in a Cell. And and obviously then, having replaced with somebody else who had nothing to do with France over the last couple of months. So it was nice that they got to finish off the story and then do the angle on Raw the following night. But must correct you, so today, was he's actually losing his pectoral that he, he tore in, which was like a similar injury, I believe, that uh, Triple H suffered in that horrendous match at Crown Jewel. Um, and, yeah. you know, people are being like complimentary of Quay's effort in that match. But then, I, but then I saw one tweet that reworked his news and it went, adrenaline in my soul, tore my pack right off the bone.
0: <laughs> let's, um, let's much like all out. Uh, so much like, um, it was all, it was all out, wasn't it? it was the AEW pay-per-view. Well, the one just recently, no, it was Double or Nothing. Double or Nothing. See, mixing up pay-per-views or the other place. <laughs> double or Nothing. Um... We'll run down the Hell in Cell results quickly. No matches on the pre-show this time. Um, seven matches. Uh, seven matches that I think all over-delivered. Um, let's just get into it. Uh, Bianca Belair defeated Asuka and Becky Lynch via pinfall uh, to retain her Raw Women's title in a triple threat match. Bobby Lashley defeating Omos and MVP, making MVP tap out in a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, Kevin Owens defeating Ezekiel, uh, I know that'll hurt our good friend David Collins. He'll he'll be upset by that. The Ezekiel fan club. Uh, the Judgment Day Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. More on them in a wee bit. Uh, defeating AJ Styles, Finn Balor, and Liv Morgan in a six-person mixed tag team match. Madcap Moss defeating Happy Corbin in a no-holds-barred match. A surprisingly good match, I thought. Uh, Theory defeating Mustafa Ali uh, via pinfall. Of course they did. It was in his hometown. Of <laughs> Illinois um, and Cody Rhodes, if you can say freaking Rollins, in a hell and a cell match. Scott, we'll go into Cody and Seth Rollins in a bit of detail, but once again, uh, matches 1 to 6, you can have a match where you can rant or you can have a match where you can gush, fire away.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you about the over delivering on this. Uh, it felt <laughs> weird, that basically, even though they don't do exclusive brand pay anymore, it basically, with the exception of one match, was pretty much a royals because a pay per view, and uh, even said with the SmackDown match, they got Michael and Corey to do it, and they said that they said, "Oh yeah, they didn't see the point of flying me out for just one SmackDown match. Clearly, don't they didn't extend the same courtesy of poor Michael Cole who had to just fly over there and do one more, just do one match."
0: But I'm just thinking of a, the Dave Chappelle segment of from Pop Copy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why treat Michael Cole this way? Why? Because fuck him. That's why. <laughs>
1: Uh, but looking at, at the card uh, there are some matches like you said the, the Corbin one that i expect to enjoy as much and for once, actually, it was actually like a, a Corbin finish finishing while we still enjoyed it but I think I would say the Hell in a Cell match the opener was one of, probably my favourite match because it was a match that itself could have easily been Hell in a Cell but you know just let probably the three best women wrestlers you have or three of the best women wrestlers you have in the entire company just go out and do what they do best they didn't have to Add anything else to it? Just let them have a great match.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought the I thought the triple threat match was good. I, although I did think it was weird. Asuka took the pin. I thought Asuka was a new challenger going forward. I thought if anyone they did they did the original triple threat um, finish, which is one person hits their finisher, the other person throws them out the ring, and gets the pin. Uh, I thought it was weird that Asuka got that. I thought Asuka, Asuka-Bianca is a new sort of feud. However, they are. It looks like they're going ahead in the direction of Rhea Ripley and Bianca. Um, so let's get into the, the Hell in a Cell match itself. Uh, let's talk about the master of mind games, Seth Rollins. His entrance attire is always on point. You know, he's done the Halloween Havoc attire when he took on Dominic Mysterio. He's done the shield entrance against Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble this past year. And now he's done the classic polka dot Dusty Rhodes attire. I don't think he could have done any better than if he came out dressed as Stardust himself in this one.
1: Only thing we missed it front, he had like a big like 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 jacket and a blonde wig himself uh for this entrance, but like I'm surprised it took him this long. There are people and they're having the match at WrestleMania. A backlash that thought that now that he knows who his opponent is, at least in K-fabe, uh, he should come out with the polka dots. But he didn't. And then like, the fact that he had this coat of hunched over like he's getting ready to flash you, and then he finally unveils it like, oh, he's got the polka dots. So <laughs> cause, uh, you know, Cody has mentioned it in his first run, he talked about it, and boom was where he he, he talks about oh, like also a lot of people thought that the. That the polka dots was a rib understand. He's like, they took my father one of the greatest of all time, they put him in polka dots, so I uh, kind of kind sort of mocking him, like, hey, look at you, look at this stupid attire iron wear, this is what your dad used to wear.
0: <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I don't think any of us are proud of what our dad's wore in the eighties. So, I mean, if someone <laughs> came up to you dressed like how your dad used to dress in the eighties, you'd be a bit mortified, to be honest with you. <laughs>
1: I was interested to see what happened when Cody eventually took his like jacket off because I remember how like the video, I remember the photos that, uh, that Triple H took after he injured like his pick and like how bruisedly. I thought is that like did that take like a day or so a to, to take form? what does it gonna look like took it off like oh no, because like it, it was disgusting.
0: Yeah, uh, a five star rated match, uh, Cody Seth Rollins. Uh, by Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer, the first WWE match to be given that honour since CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, twenty eleven. Um, it was also a, it was a very different Hell in a Cell match. We've um, we've complained over the years that maybe Hell in a Cell was lost its lost its violent streak, but this was a different type of match. This wasn't two guys locked in the cage and they're going to blade and they're going to. Do a billion table spots and you know, throw each other through the cell. This was this was a guy, Cody getting in there to defend his honour, then realising he's trapped in there with one of the most sinister heels they've got in the WWE, and it, becomes, it quickly becomes him trying to get out with his life and get out without doing more damage to a potential career ending injury already. Um, and it, it was a really, it was a really good storyline they told throughout it. Cody Rhodes eventually gets the win, and it was it was quite telling that the feud was over in Cody's mind. He was yelling after it: "It's done, it's done. That's three. It's done."
1: Yeah, you do it a very good. It's done. It's over, lads. <laughs> it's over. But- you know, I'm not saying they couldn't do a five-star match if Cody was healthy. I think they easily could have, especially in Hell in a Cell. But I think we will look back on the a couple of years and think that a lot of the stuff that gives us a five-star like match, you know, the story being told, is largely down to just how much Cody is, is able to do with that injury and how surprised we all are at and maybe able to do that. Yeah. will play a major part because like, there was a morbid like any, Even in a normal match, wrestling with that injury, but in fact he's going into a Hell in a Cell match. But that even just doing the lightest like Irish whip into the the cage would probably still be excruciating for him. But clearly, like you said, he couldn't do any more damage, so he just went, fuck it. You know, he used that arm to hit a Cody cutter and immediately sealed it. And apparently it was just, it was good for him to use that arm to use because if he be overconcentrated on like his other shoulder or somewhere else, he could have injured another part of his body and like fucked himself up even more. And then yeah, like they, they still get to the violence that you expected now so despite the injury, and of course the moment that everyone will be talking about when they pulled out the sledgehammer.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, more and more, more and more symmetry between Cody and Triple H, but um, and of course Seth used to be Triple H's handpicked guy, so another little layer in there. So the next night on Raw, Cody comes out. Cody's been the favourite for a while for Money in the Bank. He was in all the promo videos. When it was originally going to be held at the Allegiant Stadium, it's now been held at, I believe, the MGM Grand. So he's
1: next to the T-Mobile Arena, which is the same arena that Double or Nothing did. And apparently, in response to Tony Khan, like basically sliding over, moving the arena. Apparently, they parked a, a, a truck advertising Mind the Bank outside of the T-Mobile Arena the day of Double or Nothing.
0: <laughs> I think that's quite good. He's such a fucking mark, isn't he? Anyway, moving on. Um, So, Cody was the favourite for Money in the Bank. Um, We knew he was going to be injured. Uh, The timeline they're giving after successful surgery is nine months. Uh, People are talking about how John Cena came back in four months and how people usually come back between six to eight months. So, if we're looking at six months' time, Cody's in the rumble. If we're looking at nine months' time, Cody is making a late run for WrestleMania. Um, But before we get there, Cody Rhodes announces he's done with Seth Rollins. He makes his intentions clear that he's going to be in the Money in the Bank match. We know that's now not going to happen. Only for Seth Rollins to come out, shake his hand, say, Dusty was proud of his son and I was proud to be in the ring with you. Then Cody begins to wave goodbye only for Seth Rollins again to bring out the sledgehammer rip Cody's shirt off and just beat down on that injury right on the peck. and just the commentary team as well I thought sold it pretty well. Cody Graves who is the despicable heel commentator and real life friends with Seth Rollins he was disgusted by it he he sold it so well Uh, Seth, is Seth Rollins now the favourite for Money in the Bank?
1: I wouldn't put it uh, past them. I mean, I think it'd be weird to see him successfully cash in on Roman because I think Roman's going to be holding on to that belt for a long time, so if, like, if he loses one of them, say Drew or something before that, then you can see Seth winning it around about WrestleMania, Rumble time, uh, especially if that means that Cody's the uh, the favourite to the favourite to win the Rumble if he's able to come back in time, because if, like, he wins the Rumble and sets the champion, he can basically say, him, like, yes, you may be the champion, you may be the top guy on Raw right now, but you've still never beaten me. Like, I've got three straight wins on pay-per-view over you, and yeah. Seth, the champion, still desperate to prove that he can beat Cody Rhodes. And I do think there is a bit of in the, uh in the old, like, nine months thing, like, because I think, also, they're giving themselves a window so that they could be, they could talk about how miraculous it is if Cody comes in, comes back any less than nine months uh, from now. Uh, I do think he's gone from the favourite to win mine back to the favourite to win the Rumble. Uh, and in the long term, I think it's actually going to be good for me, to take this time away, because we were all kind of, like, sceptical how he was going to get booked coming back to WWE. We had to, you know, so publicly don't bash in WWE for a while when he was in AEW. But he came back with like as one of the top baby faces on RAW. Got three strong pay per view wins in a row, and now he's gone away. I think he's actually going to feel even fresher in WWE fans' minds when he comes back. I think, supposedly, his performing. performance has impressed a lot of people backstage just how him got was to go through the match so injured. So I think he's endeared himself to Vince, which is further maybe going to show that he will probably get that world title run very soon after he comes back. You know, as much as I'm sure he's probably gonna win the Rumble uh when he's uh when he's healthy. Other than maybe Raw, like you suggested, I couldn't tell you who possibly gonna win Men's Mind in the Bank. Maybe Drew, that's the only other person other than Cody I could have seen.
0: I think Drew is uh I don't think he cashes in. I think he wins the title straight up. I think Seth Rollins cashes in on Drew, not in not in the UK. I think Drew's winning the title in the UK. I think they've been building to that for since the pandemic. that They were going to try to get a stadium show where Drew could win the title. Um, but I think Seth cashes in maybe around Survivor Series time. And then you've got the likes of the Rumble where Cody can come back. They do have a rough timeline as you mentioned but if if Cody doesn't make it back for Mania and Seth's still Mr Money in the Bank, he's still got two months to cash it And I think um, and I, I said this at the time when John Moxley formerly Dean Ambrose was in WWE and they wanted him to win the title, I thought he shouldn't win the title from Triple H. I thought the only person Dean Ambrose should ever win the title from was Seth Rollins. And he cashed it in and attacked him from behind the same way that almost a year earlier, Seth Rollins attacked him. Sorry, two years earlier. Seth Rollins attacked him from behind to break up the shield. And I thought that was symmetry, perfect symmetry. I thought it was amazing. And I think, you know, if, if you've seen the broken skull sessions with Cody Rhodes, you'll know Cody Rhodes said... The reason he came back was, and he points to the title, he says it's on the wall. He went, it eluded my father, it won't elude me. And, you know, if I don't win the title, that's fair enough. But I came back and I tried. I couldn't let it lie. I couldn't let it go without trying to win it. So for Cody Rhodes to win that title and to lift what he feels is a family curse off his shoulders and do it from Seth Rollins, I think that's get great symmetry and yeah, I, I hope Seth wins the money in the bank because I don't think anyone else needs it and I think if Seth gets it it's just another it's a fuck you to Cody when he's injured from Seth Rollins and it just furthers this feud onwards mm-hmm. yeah,
1: It would be interesting again, especially if Cody comes back and then faces Rollins again Rollins, if they don't if they don't go with that with Rollins as the champion, can we come back. It would be interesting if he doesn't. He's not able to come back for the Rumble, and then they basically go two years in a row with somebody Nina Mania opponent. And went well, we've got the perfect person for you. Out comes Cody again. You know, going back. <laughs> and probably been I said about Drew because like he's the really other like babyface on Raw, uh, or Raw and Smackdown. I could see why because it, it's been well. I think this is a bit of babyface male when the when in the briefcase. Uh, or at a good one. And I think we've uh, it's been a while since we've had the whole like, I'm telling you in advance, like when I'm going to show up. Not like Biggie saying it the day of on Twitter. I like, I like the idea because like Drew's already called out Roman for the match, but you know, and he, Roman and him could always like try and get out of it for whatever reason, like, oh, you don't deserve it. But then he can basically like, win the money that and declare this is getting cashed in at a. Uh, to the Castle, if you're the champion or if it's somebody else, I'm getting that shot, there's no like, way around it
0: Yeah I think so well, we're mentioning Money in the Bank uh, Roman Reigns has been removed from running the Money in the Bank and uh, he's now taking on uh, Matt Riddle on Smackdown for the Undisputed Universal title with the stipulation that if Roman wins, Matt Riddle can never challenge for the title again and yeah, so it sort of like they did last summer when they just gave Roman, you know, the summer pay per view off. They gave him Hell and Cell off. Looks like they're giving him more pay per view time off. I think actually, as we mentioned that we mentioned the uh, the Roman Reigns headline. I think that's a perfect time to jump into that. So um, WrestleVotes tweeted out at time of recording, uh, Tuesday the fourteenth of uh, June, one day ago. According to a source, the creative decision to unify both titles with Roman Reigns was with the understanding it would allow Roman Reigns to appear on both shows more regularly. They then tweeted, "Maybe that wasn't the best decision." Roman Reigns um, made it very clear at a live event a few weeks ago that he's he's winding down from a full time schedule. he, He won't be doing this forever, and that he's you know he's pretty much done everything. Um, I think we all thought that, that it was to give Raw and SmackDown equal star power uh, and a, a unified champion, but it's been weird that they maybe just went back on that and just went, yeah, actually, you know what, never mind, because he, he's hardly been on Raw. It's it's more been the Usos that went over to Raw, he, like, represent him, or Paul Heymans went over to represent him, while Roman stayed firmly on SmackDown. Yeah, I think,
1: uh, I'm not sure he, he knows how lot much longer he's going to be doing this. And I think given how much he has started, I think how much they want to keep him healthy because they've invested so much in him. that's why they've kind of made him some like part time. The idea of like when Roman shows up from now on, it's a special occasion. But yeah, like I said, when he does appear on TV, it's mostly snatched you know, on one hand. He's appeared on Ross and is winning that those titles. And, yeah, it does feel weird that there's certain matches that it seems they've made for pay-per-view. They keep moving to TV when it comes to the Bloodline, where, like, okay, you didn't do that backlash, but I don't know why they couldn't have done the title unification at Hell in a Cell and not on a random Smackdown. And then, yeah, they move the Universal title to Smackdown. It kind of like kind of Kelly, like Kelly, they the little mystery where they had a random hit Hell in a Cell match on TV with Roman and Ray, where Ray got absolutely bloody battered, But looking at it, I think when they realised that even with Roman on the poster and some other people on the poster, that they weren't going to sell at Stadium and they're moving to a smaller venue. They decided, ah, oh, well, now it's a smaller venue. It doesn't matter if Roman's there or not. Then we'll just move play the match with, with Riddle on SmackDown. But, but I think they, I think maybe they're teasing a surprise show of uh, Orton showing up at Money in the Bank to challenge Owen to set up the match at SummerSlam. I don't know, because the whole thing was Riddle, Orton, and then Drew. Those are maybe his next three challenges.
0: It's weird as well because they had Lashley called his shot uh, after the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, sorry, the Hell in Cell pay-per-view match. He went into the crowd and took someone's WWE title, held it up. The commentators, you know that you know they don't make reference if Vince doesn't want them to make reference to something that's like, shut the fuck up, don't say it. But they made reference to it. They spoke about it. They they were like, oh, someone's calling his shot. So...
1: and like, No offence to Riddle or anything, or even Orton. They've been good, and I can see why they want to try and like, probably like this, tape, this, like, bloodline tag feed into like Orton versus Roman at Summerland because they are two, like, big stars that also use in Riddles uh, almost a platform you get to, to get to get match. But I'd actually rather see Lashley be Roman on a big, like, big four pay per view than either Riddle or Orton.
0: Yeah, I'd like liked to have maybe seen a triple threat match with RK Bro versus. Um, versus Roman where Archebro have got the advantage over Roman but Roman would f- somehow find a way to win and then Lashley and then Drew but it looks like maybe, I don't know, maybe Drew will need to fight Lashley again because Drew has never beaten Lashley and if Lashley won the title shot maybe Drew will need to go through him maybe that's the SummerSlam plans, I wouldn't say no to that but um Let's talk about the Raw after Hell in a Cell, uh, the segment with Edge being kicked out of the Judgment Day. So, Edge recruits Damien Priest at WrestleMania to join his new stable, the Judgment Day. He then recruits at uh, WrestleMania Backlash, Rhea Ripley. The first time all three members of Judgment Day have had a pay-per-view match, they defeat the team of Finn Balor, uh, Liv Morgan and AJ Styles Edge's third victory in a row over AJ Styles as well by the way um, so they come out and on Raw they announce they're going to have a new member I remember you and I being very disappointed that it was Finn Balor at first because and I know people thought well, why would you be disappointed it's Finn Balor we, we discussed it, we thought it was going to be one of those red herrings where someone Mm -hmm. pretends to join, like when Daniel Bryan pretended to join the Wyatt family, I thought it was going to be like, it was to set up an attack so the likes of AJ and Liv could attack the Judgment Day and then they could have another rematch on Raw and then that would, you know, end the feud. So I thought Finn Balor was a red herring and just talking about, I'm so glad you reached out, Finn. I'm so glad you reached out to Rhea and Damien, and that's the we telling part. He hasn't reached out to Edge, he's corrupted the other two. And it was, I haven't been a fan of Damien Priest promos during this Judgment Day thing, but now that the four of them are in Judgment Day, Priest has given this promo, he's sort of, he's not delivering, he's not hitting the lines, but then he just, he says to Edge, this allows us to get rid of the one thing that's holding us back. And it's the sinisterness in his voice which he goes, which is you and he just belts Edge. <laughs> I don't think any of us seen that coming. I think we thought Bala was a red herring and that maybe someone else would come in to join the group. I didn't see Edge being kicked out of the group one night after the team had their first pay per view match together.
1: Yeah, uh, like it's also like when Edge is like, the camera's like, stayed on Edge's face and he see like Damien Priest. like Edge has got that big smile on his face, you know, smiling with more teeth than any human being should ever have in their mouth. <laughs> uh, and then also just then when he hears Priest say the guy kind of just turns like, wait, what? And then before he can really process what's about to happen, he gets jumped because you, know, you and I were watching Raw Live and they did that thing that they've been doing recently where they tease a segment and they give you a countdown to basically. They or oh, please stay till like, the, the next uh, stay past the first hour or so. You know, if you're watching live, you know, don't be deterred by this random tag match at the start of the, the end of the first hour, which is boring the tits off you. Look around, there's good stuff coming, promise. Because I think like they did a, the, the like the Cody countdown last week when Cody was coming for a promo, but like you're gonna get Cody, but you need to wait till like the second hour to get to him. But then they counted down to this, and now like by saying the they were they were coming out, I was getting ready for my like oh the Judgment Day is coming out. I want to see what's What's, what's going to happen? And then, yeah, like you said, uh, I did not expect it to be Balor with so many people, you know, names getting thrown out, so many people rumored. And then, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, oh, this is going to be like a red hair. And he's going to like, get like, standing there. They do that, you know, like stand a bit in front of them and then do like that kick that he did to Johnny Gargano when he turned the NXT. Like, no surprise, I'm not joining you. Uh, we would have been a waste of time. But then, yeah, like the fact that they kicked them in. Everybody has been saying like, like Oh, but, but Edge pinned Balor, but why is Balor coming in and they're kicking out Edge? But twice uh, Balor or AJ were gonna get to, to Edge and it was Rhea who had to come in and like step in front of them or distract them. So I think it's the idea like you're supposed to be our leader, but we're the ones having to come to your rescue. Like you would have probably got pinned in that match if it wasn't for us. So we realize like we've been following his message, but he's not clearly not in their mind, he's not holding up his end of the bargain and you know, I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Even though I was enjoying heel Edge, but heel Finn Balor will be a welcome sight.
0: Well, the group claim there's no leader anymore; uh, they're all equals now. Um, that'll work out for a while. Uh, Rhea Ripley's heading into a, a women's title feud with um, with Bianca Belair. Um, so the in- the storyline is that Edge has an orbital injury, keeping him out. Uh, backstage news is that Edge is now a face to even out Cody's injury Um, and apparently Edge rejected a supernatural route for the stable I think uh, with the purple lighting and all that I think WWE wanted to go maybe an Undertaker or possibly a Brood 2.0 sort of stable and Edge just wasn't for that so it looks like they're going to go forward without him here but, um, do you know which feud I'd be interested in for the new Judgment Day? Mm. If they're going to go after Bianca Belair, I'd love to see Judgment Day versus Bianca Belair on the Street Profits. I think they could be some entertaining matches.
1: That would be pretty interesting, yeah. It is weird to have yet another heel tie team. There seems to be far too many like, heel tie teams in the main roster, like tight Division, but I w- that would be like, a good one to, to see. Yeah, it does feel weird to be called them the new Judgment Day when that Judgment Day, I didn't be around long enough to be old in the first place.
0: <laughs> I know uh, it. It's weird, but I'm I'm going to reserve judge, judgment, ironically, um, until until they go forward. But I'd love to see Rhea win the title from Bianca, uh, and I'd love to see a six person tag. I'd love to see a stable in WWE that's constantly in matches, sort of like. Honor No More and Impact They're constantly together uh, On the big pay-per-views um, Well speaking of Honor No More um, Let's jump into Impact's 20th anniversary uh, This coming Sunday And uh, Slammiversary 2022 Marks 20 years For Impact Wrestling um, Who would have thought we'd have got here During the Dixie Carter era I don't know yeah. We're, we're <laughs> in like the mid-2010s
1: where like there was issues with money and then there was the Billy Corgan stuff and the GFW stuff. And there was a point I will admit, as someone who's a, a big defender and lover of impact now, there was a point a few years back where I was like, can this company just, just die already? Like it just like it felt sad to keep it alive. It's like I had a good run, but like let's let's try and move on, but then yeah, like again the the fifteenth uh, comeback turned out to be the one that stuck when Scott Damore and that came in. <laughs>
0: 15 times the charm But yeah, I, I agree with you It did get sad at times because The original X Division Was a great um, showcase for talent the, uh, it, was a, it was a place for people to go When ECW and WCW shut down allowed a lot of veterans to have some really good like After WWE careers A lot of people argue Kurt Angle's Impact Wrestling run Is better than his WWE run so you know there's there's a lot of good about impact but for a while it just it get quite sad it?
1: yeah yeah it did and like especially like you said in the the gfw days and whether they've made it to 20 years as, just as an accomplishment in itself and you know i think they are still bringing in former wb guys they also did the last two summers were built around you know the releases and everything but i think that what's worked to their advantage is you know, they bring former people in, but they aren't doing the Dixie car. I think anybody with some port, some kind of name value or kind of recognisable being brought in is just getting snapped up and suddenly being pushed for little to no reason over their homegrown guys. They're bringing people in who can actually benefit and add to the roster and actually be better than what they were doing before. Like Dora Perrazzo, I think, is a prime example. Like, she was so underutilised in NXT, and then she comes in and... <laughs> She's like the the, the like best women's wrestler thing in the world right now. Like Even Matt Cardone and Brian Myers, like they did some entertaining stuff across their WWE tenure, but I don't, think not, I don't think they did enough. And across Impact and some other companies, they both completely reinvented themselves.
0: Yeah, and also on that underutilised thing, who'd have thought Steve Cutler from NXT, now known as Steve Macklin, would be one of the most under underappreciated uh, superstars in wrestling today, I think he he really does have a bright future, I would be surprised if he's not future uh, Impact wrestling champion but um, you, you mentioned the, the going down the route of signing anyone from WWE it's ironic that that was a criticism for a while, as you mentioned the way they did it, you know, it was just a case of anyone who was ever in WWE, you can come in we'll let you beat our stars and, hey, that's it. You know, there's no there's no storyline going forward for the other guys. There's no storyline uh, to save our homegrown guys. We've just let our homegrown guys go. And, hey, for a while, they all did. They all went to NXT. Um, but the interest in what saved the company has been now former WWE guys because I think so many people were so frustrated with WWE hoarding Talent and WWE you know needing to sign everyone that when Slamversity two years ago came up, they 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 cashed in on the nostalgia of some of their former stars. They brought back the likes of Eric Young and the Mortset Machine Guns and what have you. Then the next year they brought in more stars and more stars and then just the the partnership with AEW, the the building their own stars, the likes of Josh Alexander, he is building stars like Moose. It's been it's been a complete one eighty. Like they brought people in who had value, or people they feel they could have pushed. They've allowed people like Mickey James, Diana Perazzo, Steve Cutler, Zack Grider, or sorry, Matt Cardona, uh, Brian Myers, W. Morrissey. To come from WWE uh, and either reinvent themselves or re-establish themselves, and it's it's been a a testament to um, to Impact, and we've mentioned this quite a bit. AEW's stacked roster. A lot of guys, if they leave WWE and they go to AEW, they might not get the spotlight. You go to Impact. Impact is a thing because it's a smaller roster, they still manage to make everyone on the roster feel like they have a character, feel like they have a purpose, and feel that they have a storyline. Yeah,
1: and I think they have actually lost a few like people here and there who decided to like explore like other places and that's fair play of them. But yeah, I think there is more room for you to to grow and impact wrestling. And especially with the Forbidden Door like, they've not done as much with AEW anymore, but fact that they really have such strong relations with the likes of New Japan is really helping them get more back in the spotlight with you know not just with like the, kind of the hardcore wrestling fans who have realized that Impact is a viable like place. Again, like Bullet Club is made of like a, a home almost in Impact where like they've almost got their own little subgroup of uh, impact guys in, and and um, they've almost got their own little subgroup of impact guys in Bullet Club, kind of similar to when they used to do that. Almost like Bullet Club America and uh, a Ring of Honor back the day with like Adam Cole, Young Bucks, and Cody.
0: Yeah, and um, the the Honor No More guys—they've been an absolute. They they've grabbed the chance and run with it. The Eddie Edwards is a leader, um, Matt Taven has been sensational. Mike Bennett, Maria Kanellis have refound another another pair of wrestlers who weren't exactly used the best. By uh, WWE and have found found a home in Impact Wrestling, but let's let's talk about the, the actual match card uh, for TNA Slam. Actually, uh, Impact Wrestling Slam Anniversary. I can say TNA; it's twenty years now. Uh, we're going to have Brian Myers. Sorry, there you go. I mean
1: they're bringing back a lot of TNA like gimmicks and standouts, uh, and there's a of TNA originals showing up. So. I think they're
0: embracing TNA for this, for this anniversary show. Yep. Um, so Rich Swann is the new uh, Impact Wrestling Digital Media Champion. He won the title at a Wrestling Volver show from Matt Cardona, who's currently out injured, more him shortly. Uh, he's taking on the most professional wrestler, Brian Myers, on the pre-show for the Impact Digital Media title. They're bringing it back, Scott, the Reverse Battle Royal yeah, no one asked for it, but everyone's delighted it's back. <laughs> the reverse battle royal uh, participants to be announced. Uh, this is gonna be I think this is gonna be a who's who of your favorite undercard guys from Impact oh TNA's past. Shark Boy has to be there.
1: Shark um, boy. give us bring it Joyce when you're bring back the kiss demon from that battle royal. Back at, oh, uh, Get Christopher Daniels to come back as Curry Man No, just give <laughs> me all the silliness in one match I love
0: it uh, An ultimate X match for the Impact X Division title Ace Austin, Kenny King, Mike Bailey, Trey Miguel, Jack Evans and Alex Zane A Queen of the Mountain match for the Impact Knockout World Championship With Mickey James as the guest enforcer Because of course she has to be there somehow uh, Tasha Steeles, Chelsea Green, Diana Parazzo Jordan Gracie and Mia Yim uh, the Briscoes defending their Impact World Tag Titles against the Good Brothers Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. The Impact Originals Chris Sabin, Frankie Kazarian, Alex Shelley, and two to be announced competitors to take on Honor No More's Eddie Edwards, Mike Taven, Mike Bennett, PCO, and Vincent. Sammy Callahan versus Moose in a Monsters Ball match. The Influence Anderson, Reign, and Teneal Dashwood taking on Rosemary and of Valkyrie for the Impact Knockout Tag Titles. And the main event, Josh Alexander, a homegrown talent from uh, Impact Wrestling's current crop of superstars defending his Impact World title against one of the originals, two-time former Impact World champion, Eric Young. So much on there. Reverse Battle Royal, Ultimate X, Queen of the Mountain, Monsters Ball. So many of the classic matches. They are really going all out for the 20th anniversary.
1: Yes, totally. I mean, the Ultimate X match is going to be insane. Uh, the inclusion of Jack Evans, who recently left AEW, getting to see him, hopefully, finally like flourish again. He kind of got, you know, stuck in a row of a lackey for Matt Hardy for ages, but getting to see him, it'll be proper Jack Evans again. Alex Zane being included was as a result of uh, Ace Austin's recent joining a bullet club, because uh, he has been pals with Ace Austin. Alex Zane, Alex Zane and Ace Austin have been friends. They were kind of tagging occasionally during the recent tour for the best of Super Juniors. And then when Alex Zane could after joining Bullet Club, Bullet Club then beat down Alex Zane, which is apparently why Alex Zane is in this match. So kind of a crossover between Japan and Impact here. But it'll be a hell of a match there. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Brian Myers thing because Marco has said that I was injured, I never should have defended that title. So he claims that he's now given the bill. To Brian Myers. So Brian Myers is claiming he's the digital media champion. And this is kind of a, a match to the term, the undisputed digital media champion. Can <laughs> uh, I just say about the uh, the Briscoe match? Uh it was a cool segment on impact recently. It was quite funny that uh Doc Gallows and Caroline came out to talk about their top ten moments in Impact Wrestling. Number 10, when we debuted, when number nine, when we first won the tag titles, number eight. The second time we won the tag titles. And then entrance seventh through one were basically the time they beat the Briscoes in a multiversal matches.
0: <laughs> um, let, you mentioned Matt Cardona there. There's going to be no Matt Cardona there, unfortunately. Uh, Impact uh, slash TNA had a relationship with the NWA when they first started. That was their world championship. They eventually around um, about 2006, I believe, uh, relinquished the NWA title and went forward with their own titles but um, Matt Cardona unfortunately at the NWA pay-per-view always ready had to vacate the excuse me the NWA World Championship me and you talked about how it'd be quite cool to have the NWA title on the show and maybe something to, to you know a wee nod to that first world title but unfortunately he um, he had to vacate the title and um, Let's go into the NWA title match itself because it ended up being uh, Nick Aldis, Trevor Murdoch, Thomas Latimer, and Sam Shaw, the former Dexter Loomis in a mm-hmm. fatal four way uh, for the uh, former uh, sort for the vacated NWA World Championship. Uh, the former champion Trevor Murdoch came out on top there. Do you think we might see him at? Um, at Impact, or do you think it's it's sort of a relationship that's not been reunited yet?
1: I don't think it's been really reunited yet because they didn't really. you kind of acknowledged that Macaroni was the NWA champion, but he never really came out and taping with the NWA belt while he was champion. Uh, I think they tried to show how impromptu the uh, the the, the, the four way was because uh, Latimer and Murdoch had matches already announced for the show. I looked at the lineup of the show; I hadn't watched it, but. According to the match, they both wrestled on the undercard and then wrestled in the four-way. I think Shaw was maybe a surprise and Aldous was in there because it was meant to be him versus Cardona at the pay-per-view in the first place as the original like main event. I think if Aldous had won the belt back, uh, then he probably would have sh- were more likely to show up at uh, the show because obviously he's got a previous footage of his Magnus. He was at the Multiverse versus the matches to team with Mickey James against Chelsea and, and Matt Cardona. Uh, Also another little nod to Impact Wrestling Doug Williams He and uh, the British Bulldogs And won the NWA tag titles at that show
0: Oh there you are So Doesn't look like we're going to get any NWA uh, championship Action At Impact's 20th anniversary but a lot lot more there That'll definitely be worth the card That is definitely That again: That'll definitely be a card worth checking out. Sorry, I'm trying to read my ro- notes for the next one.: um, uh, Our final story, next, Scott.:
1: So before we go into the next one though, uh, looking at the two TBAs and that impact Ri's match, I was asking you this the other day, how does it feel after years of viewing predictions and sweep guessing uh, any, uh, you, uh, time was an open challenge or a mystery partner, you always get team Storm. And now finally, there's a, a TV a to be confirmed, a mystery partner that might actually, has a strong chance of being James
0: Storm. This has been four years in the making for anyone listening. um, James Storm, when he was in ICW regularly in 2018, um, there was always rumours of him going to WWE. He was popping up in NXT. So whenever there was a rumour of someone had a mystery type partner, someone had a mystery opponent, there was an Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Every single time these things took place, I predicted James Storm, and it became a thing where I was like, I know it's not going to be him, but after so long of begging on James Storm to show up, if he shows up and and I haven't backed him, I'll be raging. So, this was back in 2018. I thought he was going to be Braun Strowman's mystery partner at WrestleMania, what, 34? Yeah. And now we are in 2022. And yes, Scott, he could appear. And you know what? Quite frankly, I will be bitterly disappointed if this curse is not lifted from me.
1: I want him to come out. I'm trying to think who the other person could be. I mean, they did it, they did the tease. They didn't do like the all the release people. They did a tease of Josh Alexander opening a box and then there was just flashes of former TNA originals to tease like, oh, well, some old faces could show up. So like teasing who the originals could be. Probably just wants it to be, like, America's most wanted. Just, like, James Storm in his 40s, still ripped as fuck. Chris Harris, not ripped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to see Jeff Jarrett. I'd love... I I think it'd be a nice nod to Jeff. I know he's doing WWE stuff just now, but WWE and Impact have had relationships this past year with Mickey James appearing in the Royal Rumble match. So, hey, who knows? Who knows? But one thing we do know... say that again
1: someone has to be hit with a guitar
0: (laughs) yeah exactly, someone needs to be hit by a guitar what we do know is Laredo, Texas Scott on June 27th the go home show for Money in the Bank John Cena returns it's not just 20 years of impact it's 20 years of Cena Scott, is John Cena going to win the Money in the Bank ladder match?
1: It's a strong possibility. I think there is a strong possibility that they could do that. Uh, I definitely think that somebody who's rumored to have a big match at SummerSlam with Elston Theory could be uh, added to the money in the bank and then they could have a little confrontation between the two of them and have an angle on the show that sets up that match. Uh, If you want to hear more about uh, John Cena's career as part of the 20-year anniversary, we did his first 10 years in WWE on our most recent feature show. With me, Chris Anthony Lopez, and David Hawkney. It's in a back catalogue if you want to listen to it. Speaking uh, the of theory, just for a random second, they took the Austin away and he's just theory. They still call him A Town Down as his nickname. Like, if you're not Austin anymore, what the fuck does A stand for?
0: Asshole But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can see John Cena being in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I can see Austin theory costing him and taking a selfie. And hey, SummerSlam, John Cena is a five time uh, United States champion. Do you think we could see six at SummerSlam? I wouldn't put it past him. Something big now that the likes are, you know, Brock Lesnar and that aren't being advertised as heavily now. Roman Reigns is on this part time schedule. I think John Cena versus Austin Theory is a match you can plug. And you know what, Austin Theory's had this rocket strapped to his back since the since the Vince McMahon connection. This match over Cena, he's not had that big win yet. This could be that big win.
1: I know who would have thought a shit angle, the Golden Egg, could lead to Austin Theory getting a spot at Summerslam against John Cena. And you know, John Cena he's very busy at the minute, but he wants to be involved with WWE, so. If he's coming back and agreeing to be in this match with Theory, as a, a big nod to Austin Theory. and It would be interesting to see Cena as US champion once again, but I don't see him potentially winning against Theory, but I do like the idea of seeing what the build to that match would would look like. But even if you don't even have Theory in the ladder match, but you have him like defend the US title on the undercard, and then you have him come out and get annoyed that Cena came back and Stoly's spot in what he thinks is his spot in the ladder match he can like have seen at the top of the ladder and like see if he pushes him off. Uh, that could be a good way to set this match up.
0: Well, someone someone else who is currently a champion, a mid card champion in WWE, is now Gunther. So hey, that name change from Walter to Gunther wasn't as bad as people made out. Um Yet Gunther ended the lacklustre reign of Ricochet this past Friday on SmackDown, winning his first main roster title in WWE. Former NXT UK champion, obviously, as under the name Walter Scott. uh, Gunther has had some some big pushes in NXT recently. Some big matches in NXT, brought onto the main roster made to look like an absolute killing machine in his first big match against Ricochet, he absolutely dominated him. And mm-hmm. he is what an intercontinental champion I think should be. And I'm I'm glad he's won the title. I'm glad it's proved the doubt wrong that said oh the gun for thing is going to you know absolutely kill his momentum. But I'm a bit disappointed because we we talked about this on Central way back in uh, February when Ricochet was given the Intercontinental title, that the, the push that was rumoured could be happening, but we didn't see it happening. It, it's not a rain that set the world on fire, is it?
1: No, no. It could have meant big things for, for Ricochet, but still, he couldn't get the title on pay-per-view. It hasn't been on pay-per-view, the ITL in a defence since uh, WrestleMania 37 and that Nigerian drum match. And so as long as Gunther gets one match and per view for the title, you know, then he's done better than the last couple of champions. This is part of the reason why you need a Clash of Champions because the whole insistence on having every tail defended, at least get some belts that they don't want to put on pay-per-view on pay-per-view. <laughs> but part of me wants Gunther, like if it's the or whoever else is US champion, I kind of want the belts to be switched over. I want the IC on Raw because I think he has more potential challenges for that belt over on Raw. Because like I want you to see him maybe. Cause the only other people I can see him against is like other heels like Sheamus or even put him against Drew, who's like a face. But Drew ha- publicly coming out and saying that he wants the world title, it would seem like a demotion to him almost. To have to go and fight the IC champion if he's like unsuccessful, even despite how good the match would be, but you put Gunther on Raw, I think he could be a more dominant presence.
0: Yeah, plus you could just, you could have the likes of Cena in theory, if you if they're going to build a SummerSlam match with that, you could easily have them over on SmackDown, and as you said, there is more, ch- there's the likes of Champa, Ali, uh, The Miz, there's so many challengers over on Raw, for Gunther just to run through. Uh, I hope this does mean a return to pay-per-views for the IC title. You know, I didn't mind when AJ Styles had it and it seemed to be his thing was he would defend it every two weeks or he would defend it on the go-home show and that was fine. And then you know, with the ladder match, with Sami Zayn, the conspiracy theorist and all that and Jeff Hardy, the we run in there, that was fine. But the the Apollo Crews, the Shinsuke Nakamura and the let's plug Sami Zayn, Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn run, they yeah. haven't they haven't worked out Nakamura was injured for half his reign and they just didn't give a shit so I'm hoping that Gunther is going to get back on pay-per-view um, and i again hoping Gunther, say that again.
1: Little bit Gunther by the way uh, also he's, he's went from Walter Gunther Marcel Barthel went from Ludwig Kaiser to, I think, Kaiser now, or this Ludwig. Have you heard about the new name change for uh, for Fabian Eichner?
0: Not for God's sake, no. What's he called?
1: So he's in a gimmick for a couple of weeks, but everyone immediately went, that's Fabian Eichner," and it was. He's now Giovanni Vici. Basically, he's Italian man who wears fancy suits and good jewellery, and look at me, I'm handsome, I'm rich.
0: So he's a bald man that wears suits, so he's been given Cesaro's gimmick, basically.
1: He's basically
0: uh he's do on there. Right. Well hopefully hopefully Fabian Eichner or whatever his name is now can get back onto the main roster and be joined with um, Gunther and Ludwig, because whatever they're called, together they do very, very good work together. And I'm hoping that this is a revival for the IC title because it desperately needs it. Not since the the AJ AJ against Brian and then AJ, Jeff and Sami Zayn has the title meant anything. You know, Big E had a wee run with it, but it was a means to an end, you know what I mean? So, yeah. anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Central. This monthly recap of Central, we're going to be back next week. Next week we'll have a full review of the Slammiversary uh, pay-per-view TN820. We'll go into detail with that we'll have a look ahead to the forbidden door pay-per-view which will be that weekend and then hopefully we'll be back with you more regularly what looks like i mean i'm free i've i've been (laughs) to skegness i've had my holiday i'm not going to wait till september so you know i'm i'm fine i'll be here day after day but anyway thank you very much sorry yeah
1: you say that, Ross, but you seem like that absentee parent as a uh, bloody like you, you, He promised you'd give us an episode of Central, but no he eats fucking off on holidays, like stop booking holidays and start recording Centrals.
0: I really do need to stop booking holidays I literally have no money left But anyway, thank you very much for joining me, Scott. You can listen to a massive back catalogue, as Scott mentioned, including a look back at John Cena, his first 10 years in WWE. You can find that on the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet iTunes catalog, Spotify catalog, Android catalog and anywhere Android podcasts are listened to. And of course at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.